Thank you. Thank you for your presence in this place and that we are available for you. Hallelujah. With everything, all the options that are available to do at any time, any moment of the day, Father, we take it for you. We set it aside for you to open your word, to, to worship you, to come boldly before your throne. We honor this time, Lord. We honor this time. Hallelujah. You know, when you honor him with your time, with your attention, that's those, you'll find you'll get more out of the, him. You know, I just think of with my own children, when they come and they sit and they talk with me, they get more from me in that moment than when they're on their iPads. You know, they like to do that. They love to play their Minecraft. But when those moments when they just come and they just sit down with me and we talk and we have a conversation, like this morning, I was out in the gym just taking a few minutes to gather my thoughts and Harrison was the first one up and he just, he just came and he just sat down beside me. And he, I was like, well, how was your night, Harrison? And he started telling me about that, what his dreams and stuff like that. And I was like, you're getting more out of me in this moment. And so when we sing that, God, I'm available, you know, is it just words that we, we speak? Or is it actually the truth? Now, I want to continue on in our series this morning on the Holy Spirit. And we're pretty deep into this series now. We're, we started it back on June 13th, and now we're sitting right now at August 22nd. So we've been in it for a while. And I, I want to I do some, a little bit of review before we continue on this morning. But I was just thinking as, as we were um, uh, worshiping there at the end, you know, there's something about placing a demand upon the Holy Spirit. And what do I mean by that? That's when you, you, come, you come to church or, or, or you open your Bible and you say, God, this is my question. Here's what's going on in my life. I expect that when I come before you, I get answers. I expect that when I meet with you, you show up and we talk. And the more you, you place a demand on the Holy Spirit, He begins to work because He has no problem wanting to come and talk with you. He has no problem giving you wisdom. It says that in James, any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God and He'll give to them liberally. Without reproach, just let him ask in faith. What does that mean? Ask in faith means I believe it's actually going to happen. When I ask for wisdom, I believe I'm going to get it. When I show up for church, I expect that we're going to have a good time, that the, the answers of my heart are going to show up. And, you know, as you guys pull on the Holy Spirit, what does he does? He pulls on my heart, and we end up going down rabbit trails that weren't planned in the message, but he's trying to get things to you as we go. And so when we come to church, we we place a demand on the Holy Spirit. We say, I expect great things today. I expect to hear from God. I expect that the Word of God is coming alive for me today. That it is live. It's quick. It's powerful. It's sharp. It divides between my thoughts and His thoughts. This day, I'm not just coming for something natural. I came for heaven's best. Amen. And Spirit, we just thank you for that. That's what we expect this morning. We expect good things today in Jesus' name. 
And so when we started this series back in June 13th, my friend Gary kicked it off, and he was talking about the four P's of the Holy Spirit. And he said P number one is that he is our professional help. And that's something good for us to remember this morning. You don't get a knockoff Holy Spirit. You get heaven's best. You get the same Holy Spirit that Jesus was working from. And that's why he said it's good for me to go because when I go, I'm going to send him back to you. It's not some inferior Holy Spirit. You get his professional help. And I love how Romans 8.11 says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, okay, same spirit, the same spirit that raises from the dead dwells in you, who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That's professional help. Hallelujah. You know, uh, Peter, when he was preaching about Jesus to the household of Cornelius, he said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And through that Holy Spirit and power, it said he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. That's the same Holy Spirit he sent to you. As John said, you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. That means you can put yourself in that verse. How God anointed John with the Holy Ghost and power. How God anointed Dylan and and Wendy and Mitch and all of us. We've been anointed with the Holy Ghost and power to go about doing good and healing all who are oppressed to the devil because God is with us. We got the same Holy Spirit. P number two is that he is our permanent help. He didn't just come for a moment, he came forever. And as John 14, 16, Jesus said, I'll pray the Father, he'll give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. We're not talking about moments, we're talking about life. Amen? We said that he is our positioning help. P number three was he's our positioning help. He will lead us. He will guide us. He will teach us. He'll remind us whatever you need he is. He will get you in the right place at the right time. Amen? The right place at the right time. And number four is he was our praying help. And we're going to go into that in a few weeks. But last week we were talking about the work of the Holy Spirit in salvation. And it was important for us to focus on that last week because we often see God's hand in salvation. We know Jesus' work. He was the one that took the beating. He was the one that went to the cross. He was the one that died and went to the grave for you. He went to hell, and then he rose up victorious with the keys of death, hell, and the grave. But we often don't look at the work of the Holy Spirit in salvation. And we said the Holy Spirit has been very involved in your life leading up to salvation and if he was involved in salvation he was involved in inspiring and instigating you to that point he wants to continue being involved in with you if you will let him his work doesn't end at salvation and I, I wanted to focus on that last week because there's many in the body of Christ that believe that, 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 that salvation is when you are filled with the Holy Spirit and they don't realize they're missing out on an experience that, that God was going to send to them. We said that the Holy Spirit, the recreation of your spirit, made you a suitable place for the Holy Spirit to reside. 
And we talked about how the job of the Holy Spirit in salvation was to take that old nature, that sin nature that was not because of th- bad things you have done, but the sin nature that was passed down through them. Said all have sinned because of one man's offense, but because of one man's righteous gift, we many have been made righteous. And so what he did is he took that old spirit and he recreated it perfect, blemish-free. He created a suitable environment for the Holy Spirit to reside. And so I want to start today at Acts chapter 1 and in verse 4. And Jesus is being assembled together with his disciples. He's just he's risen from the dead. He spent the last 40 days talking with them and teaching them some more after being risen from the dead. And this is his last conversation with them. These are the last words that they will ever hear physically from him standing before them. And do you not think that if you only had a few words to say before you will never see someone physically again, that you're going to say the things that are important, right? And as being assembled together with them, it says, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me. It says he commanded them. He didn't suggest. He didn't say, I think this is a good idea, guys. He said, commanded them and said, do not leave the city without it. So go ahead and say this with me. This is important. The Holy Spirit is important. He is not an optional accessory. It's not like just bought a new car and you're like, I need the upgraded stereo. Oh, I can do without the running boards. No, the Holy Spirit is not an optional accessory. In Jesus' eyes, he said, don't go anywhere without him. And so the Holy Spirit needs to be given his place of prominence in our lives and in our churches once again. We don't need to come and do church in our own strength and our own power. We don't need to live our lives doing it out of what we can do with our own strength. We need the Holy Spirit. We need a revival of the work of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ this day. So he has commanded them, don't leave without him. And it says, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So the question I want to ask right now is, these are believers, right, he's talking to? Do you think that the disciples are believers at this point? What does Romans 10, 9 says? It says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Can you tell me that they don't believe at this point? They don't have to wonder whether Jesus was really raised from the dead. They see him physically. He's standing there before him. They believe. You know, we can even look back to uh, their salvation experience in John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus said to them, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I will send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Spirit. This is the moment of of them stepping into the new creation. This is the work of the Holy Spirit at salvation, taking that old nature and making it new. But then he still felt the need to tell them after this moment, don't leave the city until you get the infilling. 
It's one thing to be made a new creation. It's another thing to get the gas fueled up. He took you as an old busted jalopy and he turned you into a Ferrari. Don't you want the gas to make it run? They believed. They didn't, they, they didn't have to wonder. They could see. They could touch. But not all of them believed at that moment. It says in verse 24, it says, Now Thomas, uh, called twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said to him, We've seen the Lord. And he said, Unless I see his hands, the print of the nails, and I can put my finger into it, and I can put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Which means they believed something that Thomas did not. And it said after eight days, so a whole eight days later, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them this time. And Jesus came to the doors being shut, and he all of a sudden stood in the midst of them and said, peace to you. I love this. So the doors are locked. They've got it all shut up. It's not like Jesus opened the door and walked in. So all of a sudden, he just walked through the wall, and he's like, hey, guys. And the reason why he had to say peace to you is because what happens if all of a sudden like a ghost walks through the door? Like, ah! It's like, hey guys, settle down. It's just me. It's just me. And he said to Thomas, reach your finger here. Look at my hands. And reach your hand and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas said to him, my Lord, my God, which is another way of him saying, I believe I was wrong. <laughs> and Jesus said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So these are believers at this point. But yet now, even after the work of the new creation, the change of old nature to the new creature in Christ Jesus, he said, there's still something more that I want you to have. And so when he said be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, we need to ask the question, what is baptism? What does he mean here? Because let's be honest, this is a very churchy church word, right? We don't use it in any other context unless it's involved in church. We don't say, well, I took my dishes and I baptized them in the water and washed them. No, we don't use it in any other context other than in church. And so in that verse 5 in the Amplified, it says, For ba John baptized with water, but many days from now you will be baptized or placed in or introduced into the Holy Spirit. So what does it mean when he says you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit? Well, the word that he uses here in the Greek is the word baptizo which means to immerse in or to submerge. And so if we're going to use the cup analogy you've been using, it'd be if you were this small, we took you and immediately submerged you into it. All of you is inside of it. You've been completely surrounded. You've been completely enveloped. It's not like just a little drop. It's like falling into the ocean. There's an endless supply of water, and you're just a little drop on the inside of it. 
And so he said, you're going to be immersed into the Holy Spirit or submerged into the Holy Spirit. Now, there's an interesting note, though. It says, when you look up this Greek word, there's a notation there that says, this word is not to be confused with the word bapto, which means to dip. Two different words, and they, the, the, when they're looking at these two words, they're saying, don't confuse immersion with dip. Now, there's an interesting, interesting way that these two words are contrasted. About 250 years before this, these two words are used in the Bible, they were used by a, a Greek a philosopher named Nicander. And he contrasted these two words by writing a pickle recipe. And what he said is you take the cucumber and you bapto it or you dip it in hot water. And then you take it and you baptizo or you submerge it in vinegar. And what do we know what happens of when you submerge them and you leave them in vinegar? What happens to that cucumber? They become pickles. They go through a transformation. There's a change. It doesn't come back out and you say, oh, here, I've got a cucumber. We now say, no, I've got a pickle. And so there's a pickling process that Jesus wants you to go through. He wants to take you. He wants to submerge you into the Holy Spirit, and he wants to change you. He doesn't want to leave you at your own physical limitations that you had before. He wants you to go through a transformation, not just in your spirit. He wants to transform every area of your life. And so we need a little bit more pickled Christians in these days. And so he says, don't confuse bapto or being dipped. You're not getting dipped for a moment in the Holy Spirit. You're getting immersed. Why is this important? Why is it important to make that distinction between you just being dipped versus being immersed? Because in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit didn't stay on anyone for a long period of time. He would come on the prophet, the priest, or the king for a moment or an event. But that's not what he's called Christians, New Testament creatures, to be. He didn't call you to have a moment or an event with the Holy Spirit. He wants your whole life to be enveloped, immersed in it. Let's even look at it with Jesus. In John chapter 1, verse 32, John the Baptist is talking about Jesus, and it says, And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven, love, and he remained upon him. Talking about Jesus. When he got baptized in water, the Holy Spirit came down and it remained upon him. It was not for a moment, it stayed. And Jesus goes on to say, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him. This is he who baptizes or immerses others with the Holy Spirit. And so if Jesus is our example of how we're to live this New Testament life, the Holy Spirit came, he stayed. And that's why when he said in John chapter 14, verse 16, he will abide with you forever. It's not like the Old Testament where it came for a moment, it came for an event, he wants to stay with you forever. 
You know, if we look at that same story that we just read in John 1, in the Matthew's version, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, he says, um, John the Baptist, I indeed will baptize you in water under repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I love that. I love that that's included in this one. What does that mean? The word fire there actually comes from the Sanskrit word meaning to purify or perfect. He's going to immerse you into the Holy Spirit and that process of having you stay in the Spirit, it's going to purify you and perfect you. The saddest thing that we can see is people get saved, they receive Jesus as their Savior, and then they stay exactly the way they've always been. When you receive the Holy Spirit, He will walk with you hand in hand and perfect you, make you better. You should progressively become more loving, more open to people, more giving, more joyful, more at peace, because He's going to perfect you and purify you. You know, we often see fire as a destructive thing, but most of the time when the fire is referred to in the Bible, it has to do with its work on precious metals. What happens when you heat up gold or silver to a hot, hot temperature with fire? The imperfections come out, and you're left with pure gold and pure silver. And so the work of the Holy Spirit with you being immersed into him is that it should purify you. It should pull out all the rotten parts. It should take all the way that you used to be and maybe it takes, maybe you were an angry person, maybe you were a worrier, maybe you just never had a kind word to say about anything. The work of the Holy Spirit will change you and he will begin to pull those imperfections out. And so this is a moment or an event like the Old Testament. It's for a lifetime. It's an immersion forever. And you may see, well, in the Old Testament, it was a prophet, the priest, and the king that got the Holy Spirit. But you may say, I'm a nobody. Really? Really? Are you a nobody? Let's see what God had to say about it. In Revelation 1, verse 5, it says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. You have been made suitable for the work of the Holy Spirit. You have been made kings and priests unto God. You're not a nobody. He is the king of kings. Why is he the kings? Because he's made you rulers to reign with him. And that's what we see in 5.17. It says, For if because of one man's offense, death reigned through that one, that, that sin nature being passed down through to all people, not because of what they've done, but because of the sin of Adam, it says, If by one man's offense, death reigned through that one, much more surely will those who receive God's overflowing grace and free gift of righteousness putting them into right standing with himself, reign as kings in life through one man, Jesus Christ. 
You have been made to rule and reign with him. You have been made a vessel to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. You have been made perfect on the inside, and he now wants to fill you up with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit and power, and he wants to perfect you and purify you. You know, well, you say, okay, kings and priests, yeah, yeah, what about prophets? Well, last week we said that one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit at salvation was to place you into the body of Christ, right? And we read in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it said, For by one man's spirit we were all baptized or immersed into one body, whether we're Jews, whether we're Greeks, whether we're slaves, whether we're free, we've all been drink into one spirit. Well, that same chapter goes on to say a few verses later, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually, and God has a Pointed these in the church, apostles and prophets and teachers, and after that, miracles and gifts of healings and helps, administrations and varieties of tongues. The same way that the prophet was used in the Old Testament for the work of the Holy Spirit, he's now separated it out onto his body in the body of Christ, and he's put apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and helpers and givers and administrations. Every one of us has a place in the body of Christ and every one of us needs the Holy Spirit to walk out that calling that has been placed upon us. There is just as much a Holy Spirit anointing to be a helper in a church as there is to be a pastor in the church or to be an apostle or a prophet. There's just as much of an anointing of the Holy Spirit to be a giver or to be one who lays hands on the sick. The Holy Spirit has come for the body of Christ and you each have a call upon you. Okay, let's get back to Acts chapter 1. And it says in verse 5 again, John baptized with water, but not many days from now you will be baptized, placed in, or introduced into the Holy Spirit. And that's not all he told his disciples. He says, when that immersion happens, when you are placed in, submerged into the Holy Spirit, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He said when that immersion happens, there's a power that will come upon you. And that word that's used there for power is dunamis, which means strength or power or ability or power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. What is your nature? You are sons and daughters of Almighty God. If you see the way that he was able to walk in power because of the Holy Spirit, remember we said how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. What was his nature? He was a spotless son of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit. What have you become? You spotless son and daughter of God, meant to be empowered by the Holy Spirit so that you have power residing in you by virtue of your nature. It's not your natural lineage. It's not your heritage of where you come from. What did we read in 1 Corinthians 12? It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Greek. It doesn't matter, matter whether you're slave or free. We're all baptized into one body. It's your new nature, your new heritage that allows this to happen. And of course, that word power also means power for miracles. And so this is what Jesus told his disciples. He said, wait. Until you get the Holy Spirit. Because once you're immersed into Him, power is going to begin to flow. 
And so in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Oz had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. The very thing that Jesus said was going to happen, you're going to receive power. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. For them, it was almost like a physical manifestation of a little bit of fire resting down on each one. And they began to speak with other tongues. And you know what happened next? They all flooded out into the streets. And they were speaking in tongues. And everybody's like, what's up with these guys? They're all drunk and it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. And Peter got up and he said, these men aren't drunk as you suppose, but they're filled with the Holy Spirit just as the prophet Joel prophesied that it will be poured out. And as Peter began to preach, everyone was like, oh my goodness, how could we have missed it? And 3,000 people got saved. And there was just a continual snowball from that moment on. They say that their estimates are within that first week or two of the Holy Spirit being poured out that over 20,000 people got saved. The church didn't just grow to one, two, three, four. No, we're talking about an exponential growth because of the Holy Spirit and power. It transformed people. Peter and John, that when they went and stood before the the priests, they said, oh, these guys are unlearned and ignorant men, but they realized they'd been with Jesus. They came to the temple to pray, and there's a lame man there, and they say, we don't got silver and gold to give you, but get up. We're going to heal those legs. And the man went walking and leaping and praising God. Or we have Peter. He became so saturated with the Holy Spirit that as he began to walk through the streets of Jerusalem, even as his shadow touched those going by they began to get healed no he didn't even have to stop and lay hands on them why it wasn't because of Peter we know the character of Peter he was the one that denied Jesus three times before the crow even or the the rooster even crowed we're not looking at Peter's nature this didn't happen because of Peter it happened because of the Holy Spirit and the power that was being let down on him as he was immersed into the Holy Spirit and that's what we as believers in Jesus have all been called to it's not enough just to get a new creation to get a new spirit the holy spirit wants to jump inside and he wants to do a work through you and in you that could never have been done on your own because as jesus said he said here's the truth it's to your advantage that i go away for if i don't go away the divine encourager will not be released i love that you feeling lonely You're feeling like you have no hope? He's the divine encourager to you. Will not be released to you, but after I depart, I will send him to you. Or what did he say in John 14, 12? He said, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater. Okay, think about this. Jesus raised the dead. He healed the blind. He healed the lame. He healed the lepers. He fed 5,000 people from a little lunch. And he said, you'll do those things and greater because I go to my Father. What happens when he goes to the Father? He sends the Holy Spirit. Go ahead and say, this is important. 
That's why it was a command, not a suggestion. Hallelujah. So, Father, we thank you for the availability of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that we can be filled to the overflow. Hallelujah. I thank you that it's not for a moment, but it's for my lifetime and forever that I've not been asked to do anything that you have not empowered me to do. And so we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as Jess was singing that song this morning, I'm available. When you've received the Holy Spirit and you say, Holy Spirit, I'm available, He'll use you. He'll use you in ways you never could have imagined. Father, we are available. We are available to do the works that you did in greater. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Robin. Praise God. need to take a minute to be Holy Ghost conscious. This is important that we're Holy Ghost conscious. That we know Him better and greater than we know your best friend, your spouse, your children that he is that much important to you because it affects every aspect of our lives. Amen? Amen. You know, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. And if that's a struggle, then it's the Holy Ghost the answer to that struggle. Amen? And as Pastor said, we all have a place in the body of Christ to do a work, to do what we call you, regardless of what that is. Amen? Glory. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Holy Glory. Okay, I'm supposed to be up here doing the offering, so let's do that. <laughs> Sorry, just overwhelmed with the, the, the message and the, and the the urging of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, just so important. Amen. Amen. Anyway, we can give this way. You can give online, wordchurch.ca slash give, or you can grab an envelope out of a, one of the chairs and uh, do something that way. Amen. Amen. Ask the Holy Spirit what it is you're supposed to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Do we have that? Uh, I, okay. Just going for it here. Let's say this confession together. I do not believe in giving without saying something. 
Amen. It's how you release your faith. Amen. And so let's say this together. This is my seed. I sow it into the kingdom of God. Seed, do what you do best, grow. I sow you to spread the gospel. I sow you to strengthen believers. I sow you to go where I cannot. I sow you to grow, multiply, and return in great supply. Harvest, I receive you. Lack, I resist you. His supply is sufficient. I walk in the abundance of grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You are blessed. Go in the Holy Ghost. Amen.